Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? of Superman 2 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can fly this 1980s Superman 2, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Rob Kelly. I'm so excited we're here, Chris. I know. We're here. We're here. And, and this time, we're not alone. Now, to recount minutes 90 through 95, which, as Rob hinted, contain some of the most iconic moments of the film... We just had to have along the man most likely to beat Mark Wade at a Superman trivia contest. Straight from the Fortress of Bailey 2, it's podcasting's own Michael Bailey. Hey, Michael. Okay. As much as I appreciate that introduction, my God, it would it, it would be like Bruce Lee versus a white belt. Uh, you know, I, I, I get by on Superman trivia, but I took Mark Wade's Silver Age Superman trivia thing several years ago. And it, 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 it's, it was a humbling experience, and I'll leave it at that. But uh, no, super excited, no pun extremely intended, uh, to be here for this. Uh, you know, I, I love you guys in general, but the fact that you invited me to be on this part of it, it's just, I, 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 I'm all squishy inside right now. <laughs> no, you were the first one to send a check, and that's the way it works. <laughs> right. See, that's what I figured out early in this game. If you pay people first, they pay attention. <laughs> exactly. <to you>. exactly. <laughs> it's just like land in this minute. They're guaranteed, right? Uh, <laughs> land. Uh, so, Michael, what is your story with Superman 2? Because I know you famously picked it over Superman the movie in Shag's horribly divisive <laughs> friendship-shattering comic movie bracket show we did a while back. <laughs> You thought the current political uh, landscape was divisive. Um, <laughs> the uh, Superman 2, uh, I did not see in the theater uh, because, again, I was, you know, when you're the youngest of four and, uh, you know, you don't really get a whole lot of say in what you go see. And it came out in 81, so I would have been five. Uh, and I was a little, I was a weird kid. But. I remember vividly, we were living in a rented house uh, in Mountaintop, Pennsylvania, and I woke up, it was a Sunday, and my mother loved movies, as I mentioned in another thing, which people seem to find amusing, and we always had HBO growing up. Uh, it was just one of those things. We, we, we always had, I, I cannot remember a time when my family did not have cable, because we were really early adopters of that. And I woke up, it was a Sunday, and on my bed was the guide that the, that the local cable company sends out. And it had uh, Christopher Reeve on it because Superman 2 was coming to HBO. Oh. Mm. And I just – I woke up and the first thing I see is Superman. So obviously I'm excited. So I remember in that house watching it for the first time. And right away, even though I've always loved Superman the movie, like part of me just always liked – liked Superman 2 more. I don't know if it's because it gets right into it. Like, there, you know, the, the origin and everything is out of the way. So, you know, you get right into him, you know, flying to Paris, uh, you know, because it's me that controls the bomb, not the bomb that controls me. <laughs> and, but it is probably the Superman movie I have seen the most, uh, it, just in terms of it being on HBO a lot. And then every once in a while, I remember in 88... Uh, Easter Sunday, they showed the they showed the extended cut on ABC, and I was taping it right, and I'm all excited because I've got Superman two, and I'm taping it on our crappy ass VCR, and I was pausing it during the commercials, and I'm so I'm watching it, and I looked down, and I realized that I had never unpaused. Oh, oh. <laughs> no! So like for like an hour, it was. Recording. Oh. So that is why I don't have that tape. 
So did you miss the part where little Willie gets it from the the throne siren? I mean, did you? No, no, I, I watched everything. <laughs> okay. I was watching it as I was going, but I just didn't unpause it. So that tape was basically useless at that point. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's the, that's the Bailey cut of Superman. <laughs> <Yeah. Bailey. laughs> Release the Bailey cut. Release the Bailey cut. <laughs> hey guys, uh, you know, Warner Brothers is going to re-release one of its classic films. That's great, guys. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut, because that seems to be social media these days. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure that um, hopefully your recording included minutes 90 through 95. How'd you like that segue? Uh, nice, which, be- which begins with the Daily Planet office under attack and ends with Non chasing Superman mm. through the skies over Metropolis. Uh, so, yeah, so a lot happens in this moment, as we said. So we see the rumbling we heard last time, uh, you know, in the incoming invasion from the three villains. And uh, apparently all this noise, I mean, what do you guys think really this is this noise them like coming through the other side of the building? Is it breaking them breaking the sound barrier? Is it a mix of of both? What, what's going on here? Given how they enter, I'm assuming that, uh, you know, even with all that accumulated knowledge, they don't know how to use a doorknob. Uh, that they came through another side of the building. Zod strikes me as a shock and awe type of military guy. Like if he's going to come in, he's going to come in hard and scare people before he gets there. So it was probably a combination of them flying in and breaking the sound barrier. Not that I trust Richard Lester to actually think of something like that. Uh, and that's nothing against Richard Lester. It's just he, he, he d- just doesn't seem concerned with little details like that. Uh, I, I just assume that it's it's them like they're coming from like the top of the building down, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's right. Yeah, that's how I took it. Like they landed on the roof and then they're just smashing their way. Th- like they're not bothering to open the, uh, you know, like the stairwell that you see at the top of every roof of every TV show or whatever. They, they're just smashing their way through it. So as they're getting closer and closer – that's what that sound is, is the, the and everybody's freaking out and stuff. So, yeah. Speaking speaking of Lester being more pragmatic, I have to think that the uh, the shot of the lady reacting to them, and then and then it slides over, and we see that's not really her; that's a reflection. I, I have to think that's probably a Don or Unsworth uh, shot because that's a little more artful than than what Lester's going for in this movie. So. I tend to think that was probably him, and we're, I'm not even going to go into the, the. You can you can go back and forth. Okay, Donner, Lester, Donner, Lester, Donner, Lester. In 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 these scenes here, basically, the telltale thing is, of course, Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that, and Margot's hair and her appearance. But yeah, we're not. We won't even. We've talked about. We won't do that. I know Rob's probably like Chris. Stop doing that uh, <laughs> because because I tend to do it more than he does. Uh, but anyway, uh, I am. I'm I'm impressed with two things here as as the villains come through. Jack O'Halloran just smashing through everything, and then the folks who actually stand up to him and throw themselves at him. I mean, those <laughs> those guys got some cojones, you know. <laughs> They're very loyal to Perry White. They know he's coming. For, by the way, just before we get too far off of this, you mentioned that shot, and I like that shot a lot. That we see the reporter in the in the in the glass. That mm-hmm. actor, that actress, is uh, Miguel Brown. Uh, she was in the original Superman. She is standing behind Lois uh, when Perry is doing the whole, does he have a girlfriend? He's doing that. Mm. She's, she's standing behind Lois. And so she is, she only has, she has actually a lot of recent credits, not too many um, from the seventies, but she was in uh, Rollerball uh, from the seventies. She was in the movie French Kiss with uh, Kevin Klein and Meg Ryan. And she was in the Fantastic Beasts, the Harry Potter movie. So oh, okay. she's, yeah, so she's keeping busy, but I, that was, much like you were talking about, Chris, this is probably all uh, uh, Donner stuff because, you know, like there's the same actress. Repeat- and she doesn't get a line. Uh, yeah. she did, we just see her. So I have to assume that this is all Donner stuff. They wouldn't call her back uh, to, to have shoot a scene where she doesn't actually say anything. I don't think they would make that effort. But I just wanted to give a shout out to that and, actress. Uh, that's and, her name. And to be fair, there's a lot of destruction in that scene. So it makes sense that you would want to use as much of the action stuff that has already been shot. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, they, they spent enough money filming the battle itself. Uh, it just makes sense that if, like the, the White House scene uh, where they're trashing the White House, I, I, that, that's all uh, Donner. 
Right. And and it just makes sense. It's like, okay, we're, we're, we're spending enough money refilming all of this stuff anyways. Why would we spend the extra money to rebuild the set just to have Jack O'Halloran trash it again? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, he did such a good job the first time. I he mean, did. He, oh, man. He's just like, I mean, it's it's great to just, it's like, it's kind of like watching, you know, the Hulk tear loose in an <laughs> <a> office <laughs> building. <laughs> Though I am, this does, this scene does uh, bring up to the point of, of how different superhero movies are today. If this was filmed today, they would uh, and and Man of Steel kind of bore this out. You would have seen them ripping people apart and breaking people's necks. And here it's just you know wholesale destruction, and it gets the point across without being gratuitous. Yeah, right. he's not just shoving people. Even the guy that throws the trash can at him and stuff, he doesn't actually kill any of them. <laughs> There's a ton of broken glass, though. I have to think a lot of these people got hurt from the just the the, the sheer amount of broken glass flying mm-hmm. around. That's super dangerous. Well, actually, now if this movie was shot now, they would have entered the office like at super speed, and every every inch of glass in the building would have just shattered the minute they came yeah. in, mm-hmm. and just into fine like pebbles, and you know, I mean, and, and all would have blown out, and there'd been this you know, slow mo, you know, as the glass like blew past everybody and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you get you get a good old fashioned just like, and you know, that's as a kid, that's what you want to see. You want to see this guy just you know going through and just knocking stuff over and going through glass walls and knocking the frame work of them over and tossing people around. It's, it's a, it's a whole lot of fun. It's just, <laughs> and as, as Rob said, he's headed straight for Perry white. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Perry backs, uh, you know, he, the, he backs away a little bit and Lois and Jimmy head for cover as he shatters the glass of non shatters the glass of his office. But then Perry, I got to give him credit, man. He picks up that brass daily planet globe and throws it right at non's head, which of course just bounces off. <laughs> <laughs> And, and Lois, ever pragmatic, Jimmy, take a picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she she manages to stay in the moment. I love that shot that when we see the uh, a Perry sitting in his seat and we see him through the glass as it shatters. Yeah, and oh, sort of out of that. out of focus, yeah. and then he comes into focus. That's a great. Mm-hmm. I, that's a great little touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I the, whenever I watch this film, that is one of the things that I always look for because. It's one of those images that sticks with me from when I was a kid watching yeah. it. Like, like there's just certain, like little bits, not like the big scenes that are obvious, like the you know changing in the alley, but just smaller scenes like "girl or no girl, you're gonna spit teeth," which is probably one of the creepiest lines ever uttered in a comic book film of this vintage. <laughs> mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so then, Non picks Perry up and shoves his head through the drop ceiling. Which knocks him out. Now, I will say that I have always kind of wondered, those drop ceilings are usually just foam. So, would that really knock him out? (laughs) I just always wondered that. (laughs) Uh, Having had to move those around and uh, deal with those, no. Uh, It would probably hurt. What I am going to no-prize it as is that there's something right above the drop ceiling that yeah. is what he actually hits, and that's yeah, okay. what knocks him out. Okay, like I'll, the, I'll the, buy that. The, the, the sprinkler pipe or something. He hits yeah. his head on something metal, and that knocks him out. So Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go. You guys no-prize it well. We'll go, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> but poor Perry, I love how – I love, uh, you know, of course – uh, Jackie Cooper, a consummate actor and director, as Rob points out, almost every week on MASHcast. Man, that guy directed a lot of MASH. Episodes. He did. He did a lot of MASH. <laughs> Holy cow. Why didn't they get him to direct Superman 4? You know? It's like, geez. Well, to be fair, he went on to direct a lot of Superboy. So Yeah, he did. Yeah. But, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, but, uh, but anyway. Uh, so they, sh- they sh- you know, Perry, I love the way he reacts when, you know, I mean, because his head instantly just, like, goes over the side. He does a great you know, uh, go unconscious shot right there. Mm-hmm, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just really nicely done. Um, so Ursa walks in and Lois reacts to Perry's plight by punching her right in the jaw, which I think is a, it's a great moment for Lois's gusto, but maybe not for intelligence because <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the clanging metal sound they drop mm-hmm. in <laughs> clank. <laughs> it's great. such a good, you know, it's like, there's no reason why her cheek would make that sound. But it doesn't yeah. matter because it just gets the point across of like, oh yeah, Lois just probably broke her right hand. <laughs> yeah, at the very at the very least, she sprained something. Yeah, because uh, uh, she put a lot of effort into that punch. Because yeah. as we all know, 
Lois has always been trained in some form of combat, whether it be, you know, her father's military background or, of course, Kukor. <laughs> <laughs> and you notice Jimmy got a shot of that. Mm-hmm. Jim, Jim, so Jimmy has probably a, a prize-winning picture of, of Lois as her hand is meeting uh, Ursa's cheek. That's probably a great shot. It's yeah. also for the eventual, like, civil suits yes. that the uh, Daily Planet staff will be leveling against the Phantom Zone villains. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fa- fantastic. And I love how Lois just falls back into the chair. Her legs go up in the air, mm-hmm. I mean, and as she grabs her hand, that's just great. <laughs> Uh, through the debris waltzes Lex Luthor, who has a wonderful comment uh, that Michael already pointed to, how the owner should really learn how to use a doorknob. Uh, <laughs> that that always it, it reminded this came first, but it reminds me of that that wonderful line that Mark Hamill had as a Joker to Batman and Robin, where they come through the skylight. He's like, "Nice entrance. Either you like picking glass out of your shorts, or you never learned how to go through a door." You know? so, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so Zod is none too pleased to find that the son of Jor-El isn't there, as Lex promised, but Luthor assures him that Lois is their ticket to Superman. So what do you guys think of the uh, Luthor's not-so-sly innuendo to Zod about the relationship between Lois and Superman? I love his whole thing about it. He gives her every excuse. He does, like, the whole grunt thing. It's great. He's he just he just owns this whole sequence. And it also occurred to me, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump in on you, Mike, but like this is the first scene with Lex and Lois. They've not met mm-hmm. to this point. They they have they share no scenes in the first film, and yet he he kind of talks to her like he knows her. You know, I mean, he kind of has a familiarity with her that he really doesn't have cuz He's never met her before, so but it just sort of. But I mean, yeah, he Hackman is just oh my god. The scene he's just enjoying the hell out of just being the funny guy in this moment. You know, I'm I'm thinking about it. You're absolutely right. Like this is their one. This in the the fortress scene later in the film is like the only interaction. Yeah, yeah. That Lois has, which you know throws that whole sequence that Superman Returns in doubt. But you know. To be fair, there's a lot of sequences in that movie to be thrown into doubt. But All right, I, what, Mike, calm down. All right. I, I thought it was rather calm there. Uh, what I like about it is that Lex is thinking on his feet during his whole thing. Because I don't think he honestly expected Superman to be there. Or maybe he was thinking that once word got out that there was an attack, that Superman would rush in. But I love the fact that he's just like, you know... Zod's like, Lex Luthor, where is the son of Jor-El? And he's like, uh, well, wait, no, 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 no. What you got is the next best thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I have always, it's, it's actually something, it's a running gag with uh, Andy Leyland and I, when we talk, it's just like, he gives her every exclusive, just, just the <laughs> lasciviousness of that line that I never got when I was a kid, but when I was an adult, I was like, wow, that was, that was not subtle. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, and the best of friends, <laughs> you know, which I mean that that that's not as much, but yeah, the whole the whole exclusive, it's like, yeah, well, yeah, and we've known that Lois did get that exclusive, so. Well, uh, <laughs> that is also putting stuff on the table that is not in the text, because there is no, you know, he saved Lois, and she wrote the first article. But just because you write about an article about somebody, okay, to be fair, Perry named it I Spent the Night with Superman. So yeah, that, wow. But would that be enough to have, like, that be the thing in the media that Superman and Lois have a thing together in this universe? Right. Yeah. It's, it, it is – I mean, I think, a li- I think, you know, the subtext is it's recalling the history of the characters and the relationship between Lois and Lex – her knowing of him, I mean, obviously she knows he's the guy that, you know, tried to sink California and everything, but there's that, I mean, it's, it's, it's calling back to the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and that's, and, and that's kind of, you know, the way that if you, if you really do say, you know, this version of the film, you could say that there was more time in between the first movie and this film than like the Donner cut where they're like reading the, you know, the paper at the beginning about how, you know, Superman captured Lex and everything. Mm-hmm. So, but but without if you say that it happened immediately afterwards, everybody's really everybody's really high on Superman, including the president, as if the Superman has done more 
super feats and done more, had more of a career, you know? Right, so yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's that little bit of, you know, the, 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 the history and the, the mythology of the comics kind of sneaks into the reality of the, what was actually filmed. So, <laughs> and I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Yeah, at all. no, it's fine. I, I also love, we, we talked about this in the previous episode, Chris, but Lex gets in another one of his faux, uh, um, obsequiousnesses. Yeah, it's his yeah. odd where he does. Oh, magnificent one! You know, yeah. <laughs> his eyes get all soft. Like he's like he's totally bullshitting Zod, but Zod doesn't know that, or maybe he does, and he's just letting Lex kind of just get away with it. But I, we all know how much that Lex just completely doesn't mean this because, of course, just before he was mocking them out loud, loud enough that they could have heard it with their oh, I don't know, super hearing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but he figures they weren't paying attention. Right. Yeah, Zod in in, in this film strikes me as somebody that thinks he's smarter than he is. Oh, sure, uh, yeah. It, it's, it's not like Trumpian. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's that he thinks he's on top of everything just because he was the leader of a, of a military, uh, you know, uh, the military of Krypton. And sometimes when you get guys in those positions, they're good at their jobs but they're not on top of everything. So he probably just thinks of Lex reacting to him as, well, this is how people are supposed to react to me. You know, people mm, are supposed yeah. to, to bow and scrape. So he doesn't strike me as the guy that gets subtle or right, subtlety yes, yes. on any level. <laughs> right. Yeah, he, yeah, he is kind of point. full of himself, considering that his so far his two acolytes are a sociopath and an idiot. I mean, <laughs> he's not, you know. I mean, it's not. Exa- I mean, you're right. We don't know what he ran on Krypton, but I mean, right. It's it's not exactly like he's got the crack staff under <laughs> working under him or anything. <laughs> I got a woman that is probably in love with me if she thinks on those levels at all, and a guy that we don't let pet the rabbits anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. So all this Lex's lines lead to a great exchange between Ursa and Lois. I, oh. I love I love this. That's <laughs> just 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 wonderful. I, I, I mean, how catty know. Ursa is. Yeah. It's, it's like what an undemanding male the super male must be. And then Lois <laughs> has got some balls on her to yeah. say you could use a tuck here and there yourself, sister. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> And I get the sense that Ursa doesn't know what Lois is talking about, but knows that she's just been insulted. Yes. Right, yeah. yeah. The tone. She totally gets the tone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. <laughs> In fact, Ursa probably knows what Lex, Lex is doing, but how can you tell Zod anything? Right. 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 <laughs> and then she drops Perry's head again. I yeah. love that. I love that. Oh, I'm it. sorry, Chief. <laughs> That's such a great bit. <laughs> Yeah, and Lois great... continues to call him chief, and he never yells at Lois for calling him chief, you know, so. <laughs> well, he's trying to break uh, Jimmy, you know. Right. Lois, what is, she, what is he going to do to Lois? Lois is, Lois is pitching him a story. The story she pitches in, like, the, the, the first movie when, we, when, when Clark is introduced to her, it's, like, the, the most salacious. It's got everything. It's got this. It's got that. It's, like, what do you tell a woman like that? <laughs> oh, the Ode to Spring? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Zod orders Ursa to stand down, and he said Lo- Lois lives for now. But they can kill the rest, starting with Lex. So anyone who thinks Zod doesn't mean business— just think about this. He's going to kill a whole building of people minus one. I mean, yeah, th- yeah this guy is, you know, I mean, I, you know, he's, he's, we all love Terrence Stamp and he's a fantastic villain, but I mean, yeah, this is, I mean, if, of course you don't have time to think about it too long, but if you really think about it, that's pretty freaking dark. I mean, they could just fly off with Lois and call it a day. No, they want to kill everybody before they go and do that. So yikes. <laughs> <laughs> He is a, uh, that's why they call them terrorists. Uh, um, <laughs> if you think about it, he is probably the type of person that wants to create precedence of his, how dangerous he is. Mm-hmm. So if he like, if, like imagine the rest of the world reacting to the fact that they killed an entire building full of people. You know, they took over the white house 
and they fought the military, you expect the military to fight them, right? But it's just like, holy crap, they 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 wholesale murdered a bunch of people. And 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 I'm not, this is the last comparison I will make. Uh, maybe I don't know something could sneak through. But when you when you look at how they treated Zod and the rest in Man of Steel, it was a lot of just they just killed people. They didn't care. <laughs> you know, it's just. It's just one of those things where these humans are so far beneath them that it's almost like they're not killing people, I don't get, in Zod here especially. He's killing a pest. He's right. killing something that's getting in his way. So, yeah. it's. But, yeah, now that I think about it, I never really thought – because Terrence Stamp, as as dangerous as the, Zod vill- as the Phantom Zone villains are in this film – I've never, I've never been, even when I was a kid and was more sensitive, I was never scared of them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I knew they were dangerous, but he is just, he's riding that line between uh, supercilious and, and and scary just so perfectly that while I recognize they're a threat, I, I don't get that kind of like, ooh, I, I'm, I'm kind of scared to even be watching this. Mm. Right, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, I never did either. That's good. That's a good point. I never really thought about that. But yeah, they're they're the, the, like you said, the threat levels there, but you never they never make you uncomfortable watching them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, even even uh, when they're torturing the astronauts, that's like about as close as you get to being like, wow, because you you really start to think about, okay, they just left this guy like floating in space, you know, and he's in, with no oxygen, and I mean, it's just it. It's just such an awful way to die, you know. Although, you know, but but other than that, it's like, yeah. It, it's and a part of it is they are written in such a way as it, the the movie never never tries to not be fun. This is a fun mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. It's a fun. Yeah. It's it the the idea of this is to go to the movies and have fun at the movies watching this. And I and I'm glad I'm glad of that. And I think it's one reason why it's endured as it has. And and. Uh, you know, and it's you know, even though if you if you really, as we are doing five minutes of time, examine some of the things that they are doing or talking about doing, it can get a little dark on the surface. It's not so, uh, and I'm glad. I'm glad. I for one, am glad for that. So yeah. Uh, Lex, uh, of course, <laughs> goes into immediate uh, uh, damage control mode. Pulls out his uh, white uh, his white flag, his handkerchief again, and, and waves it in the air. <laughs> I like the way this shot is framed, uh, that we're over Non's shoulder, because it makes mm-hmm. Non look like he's 10 feet taller than mm-hmm. Lex. And, I mean, Jack O'Halloran was, was certainly taller than Gene Hackman, but it's just the use of the camera. It's kind of not dissimilar to the way uh, Peter Jackson uh, framed the hobbits in that movie to make them look so much shorter than the actors, even though they weren't. Uh, but it just I just like the framing of this, that, that Non really looms uh, over uh, Luthor, and that's just the way it should work. Is not is supposed to be threatening, so I just—it's a nice little extra moment to just put the camera in that spot. I think it's a nice yeah, touch. Ken, Kenneth Johnson did that a lot on the Incredible Hulk mm-hmm. television series mm-hmm. too, just because Lou Ferrigno is only like six four, which is tall, right? But the creature was supposed to be so much taller than that. So right. yeah, mm-hmm. trick photography. But yeah, and and I think wasn't O'Halloran wearing lifts as well? Yeah. He had the Frankenstein type boots on, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he looked like he could have subbed in for somebody in Kiss at the time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then here we go, guys. We cut to a oh, newsstand outside. A stack of papers detailing the White House's surrender to Zod begin to shake and move in the increasing breeze as the music begins to, sque- to swell. And then we look up in the sky, and who's back? It's yeah. Superman. <laughs> My second favorite musical cue of the of the film. Okay, what's Just, your first? Uh, oh, the uh, the turning into the, the the alleyway scene. Oh yeah. Uh, just the the way it starts so low, and the and the the theme kind of sneaks in a little bit. It's just it's this is a weird thing. One day I was I was leaving work. I was going across the way to get a haircut back when I got haircuts and uh, I was listening to that track on my phone and a and a siren went by like a like a police car and, and it just like I was like am I watching a Superman movie or is or is or am I like walking but no this this cue is just, it is so triumphant that this is one again one of those things from when I was a kid this was the part that I always loved to see because you do have the, the, the everything shaking and the music comes up and the uh, I, I don't know if it's a model shot 
or whatever of him streaking across. But then he flies up like a boss, folds, you know, crosses his arms. And is just like, you know, all right, I'm here. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in the shot of him flying, I mean, he comes into the shot. Christopher, he comes in the shot horizontal and goes upright like he's standing. But he 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 lands and perches on that flagpole, which, I mean, you can miss that he's standing on the flagpole if you don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, that he could, he could just be floating outside the window, but no, he like lands on that flagpole outside Perry's window, and it's 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 one of the most flawless flying shots in in all the movies mm-hmm. because it's just it's just this one motion, and I and I would have to think a lot of this has to go. It's just like uh, you know every everybody that ever worked on those films said a lot of this is just the way Reeves Reeve was able to work the the rig to work the apparatus. And I, I mean, because again, it's just it's it, it doesn't look jerky or anything. It's just whoof, there he is. I mean, it's it's just graceful, but it's 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 graceful in a very determined way because <laughs> it's he's, he's he, he just slides into the the shot, and then we see Superman outside the window, and he utters those immortal words, which are what, Mister Bailey? General, would you care to step outside? And yes. this was the most disappointing thing about seeing the Donner cut. Oh, because, yeah. Because he flies up, and I'm like, here we go. And and really, when you think about it, the diner sequence was shot by Donner, right? Because mm-hmm. there's the there's him walking into frame when they're pulling up. Am, am I remembering that correctly? Yep, you're right. Yep, we saw him, yep. So I got the sense that all of that was Donner's sequence, so it makes sense to me that... Donner would call back to one of his own sequences. So him asking Rocky, um, you know, excuse me, sir, would you care to step outside? This is a callback to that. So Mm -hmm. if you have him fly up and say, haven't you ever heard of freedom of the press, which is like, that's not intimidating at all. Superman. I'm sorry. (laughs) This is, but this is the sequence that if, if, if I get into the debate, which I don't anymore because it's a zero sum game about which is the better cut of the movie, I will always go. If it doesn't have, would you care to step outside? It's not a superior cut because it is just the, like what modern uh, people who work on Superman fail to understand is that Superman getting angry should be rare and a big deal Mm -hmm. because Superman is Superman. It's like, he's not going to get mad at a, at a bank robber, right? He's not going to sit there and flash the angry red eyes of anger at somebody who stole somebody's purse, but that seems to be the go-to move. So the fact that he's here and he says those words it, it, he's he's not only trying to get them out of the building to to save the people, but he's calling Zod out, like like no, we're 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 taking this outside, and oh god, it's one of the best. It is one of the best moments in cinematic history. Mm, I would agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I first of all, Chris, I've never noticed that he's standing on the flagpole until you just said that. I've never oh, okay. noticed that before, and now I'm looking. I'm like, how? I've seen this movie ten thousand times. I've yeah. never seen that, but I've I've missed it. So thank you, thank you for that, because that's added no to my my uh, my view of this film. Um, I we won't get into the debate of the Donner cut too deeply because Chris and I are going to do a show on that. I agree with Mike though. I remember watching the Donner cut and being a little kind of like. I don't know how much this is working for me. Eh, okay, eh, maybe. Well, all right, all right. And then when it got to this scene and it didn't have that line, I was like, "No, okay, this is not. No, no, yep. we we can't go back from this. This is this is not the same. It's just not enough." Um, so that was to me that was the 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 moment that I just said, "No, this thing is a whole. This thing is like a DVD extra. This is not yeah. a real movie." Uh, which is fine. So okay, um, but I do want to just tell a slightly personal story here. I saw this movie. The weekend it came out, uh, which would have been, I guess, you know, the first Saturday of June. Uh, if this movie came out June 19th, which I assume was a Friday, I guess I saw it on June 20th. I saw it at the Westmont Theater in New Jersey, which is still around. It's not a movie theater anymore. It's now a gym, uh, unfortunately. But the, the marquee is still up, so it's still there. Uh, actually, that was a movie theater that Steven Spielberg as a boy saw movies at because he lived in this area briefly when he was a child. And he went to the Westmont Theater. Uh, so I saw this movie at the Westmont uh, in an absolutely packed 
uh, screening. Like I saw it at like 11 in the morning by myself. My parents dropped me off and it was filled to capacity. And I remember when this scene happened, because it was all kids my age, when this scene took place and he says that line, the kids went apeshit. I mean, people just, <laughs> we just started screaming. And I will, I, I firmly believe to this day, this moment is the greatest scene in any superhero movie ever made. Because it is everything you want out of a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. It's got that, just that thrill of like, okay, justice is finally going to be meted out. It, it, the, 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 the structure of it is perfect. Is of course, we haven't seen Superman with his powers back yet. We know he's going to get them back. But we haven't seen it yet. So the fact that they held that until this moment uh, is per- – I'm just like this is a absolutely perfect Superman moment. And I have to assume this was the work of Tom Mankiewicz. And it's like that's how well he understood this character. And I'm just like I think there were better superhero movies. I still think Superman is better than Superman 2 as a movie no matter what that damn episode uh, said. Um, <laughs> but uh, – but this moment is it. To me, this is it. And then no other film has matched. The only thing I would come even within the ballpark is Captain America saying Avengers Assemble uh, in, in Endgame. But this is, to me, this is it. I, there are only uh, two other moments that, 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 that it's still under this one. But uh, Cap saying, before we start, does anybody want to get out? And It's really good, yeah. It, the Incredible Hulk saying, "I'm all," or Bruce Banner saying, "I'm always angry." Before punching the Chitari <laughs> ship in the face, I mean, but but still, this will never; uh, those will never beat this, because again, Superman, unless you're George Reeves or on the radio show where he was a tough guy, Superman is not is usually in 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 especially at this in 1981 was not what you would consider like a tough guy. Right, like, like he's not he's he's not the one that has the 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 badass lines. He's not the one that says the the quirky, uh, you know, like uh, you know, calling people out. But the fact that he does it here, you know, it's serious. And Christopher Reeve nailed the stuck the landing both literally and figuratively <laughs> by just giving it that by saying it as he's folding his arms. It's just like it's perfect. It's, it's like you can't you can't get any better than that. And the fact that then he's he flies off, like come and get me. It's just like oh wow, he is totally he quickly loses control of the situation. But at that moment, he had total control of the situation. Yes. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. I can't really add anything that you guys said. The only the only moments that I will add, I agree with those other uh, moments. I will give Captain America another one, and that's when he. You see him uh, grab Mjolnir in Endgame. Yeah, uh, I mean that because like you know, like I like I will freely admit to anyone I literally got up out of my seat, fist pumped, and went <laughs> yeah in the theater. And I don't give a damn who doesn't like that. I did it. And, and we had a great crowd though. I mean, kind of like the crowd you're talking about, Rob, which is fun to hear. I mean, you don't hear about you hear about that with like modern event movies like Endgame and Infinity War, but you don't. You don't hear about that, like like people talking about that when they were kids going yeah. to a movie, something like that. Happens. I still right. remember it. I, you know, I still have very vivid memories of just ah! <laughs> the kids are just <laughs> popcorn flying. People are just unbelievable. Like everything you wanted out of a suit. And you're right, Mike. It's like we don't get to see Superman kind of be a boss a lot. Yeah. He doesn't get to do it. But at this moment, he's like, look, I have to make an impression. This is my first <laughs> moment meeting Zod, and Zod only respects strength and sort mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, being kind of ballsy. And so I have to really make an impression here. And it does. And then if they add to it by the reaction shots where you've got Zod and Ursa looking like, <gasps> you know, like that. And then, of course, the, the button on it is Margot Kidder with Superman. Like, you're just, <laughs> just perfectly yeah. put together. Right. I mean, she's got, a, she didn't yell Clark. Yeah. yeah. Clark! <laughs> Clark! The way she says it, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it. it it, it, you know, the fact that, I mean, Lois is just surprised to see him, probably more surprised to see him than anybody, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> because she's like, oh, wow, you pulled this off. I didn't, you know, I didn't think you could. So oh, he uh, made it back to Antarctica. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Before we move on to, uh, you know, past the Christopher Reeve is a boss. I, I don't think I've ever told this story on here, but I, I might as well on Superman Movie Minute. If I have, I apologize. But real briefly, my mom told me about 
she was up late one night. It was a school night, and, and Christopher Reeve was on uh, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And he was telling this story about how um, this guy, he was out uh, bicycling with a friend, and uh, he parked his bike outside of this bar, and his, and his friend went inside and got something to drink, and somebody stole his bicycle. And so they see the guy taking off on his bicycle, and Christopher Reeve runs after the guy, and he's chasing the guy through downtown. I don't know if it was New York. It was somewhere. And Christopher Reeve literally leaps across the front of a, a car that's in traffic, <laughs> tackles the guy, picks, grabs the guy by his collar, and you know gets him off his bike. And the guy's reaction was, please don't kill me, Mr. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> and – you can find this clip on YouTube. I found it. It's out there. It, the, the interview with Chris Free. I don't remember what. I think it might have been when he was promoting Superman 3. Uh, and my mom told me this story. I had never seen it. And one day, I think when we were doing this, Rob, starting to do Superman Movie Minute, I'm like, you know, mom told me about that. And I never, I, I, you know, back then, how would you ever find it? Right, right. Yeah. And I went find it. And sure enough, it's almost beat for beat the way she told it. And, and of course, like I said, my mom loved Chris Reeve. So anything the man said, she hung on. Like, a, you know, I don't know what, but she just she she loved him. So but it's I mean, so, yeah, Christopher Reeve can do intimidating in the movies and in real life. So that's a, just think there's a guy walking the earth right now who's like, I got collared by Superman. Right. <laughs> that, that's, a bit, Christopher Reeve was a big dude, too. So, yeah. That, that that story's worth it to just to, to, it's worth it to have to tell people, yeah, I tried to steal somebody's bike just to tell that story. Yeah, and he right. probably pled out like on a misdemeanor and you know, oh my have God. Fine, that's amazing. I, yeah, oh my God, that's an amazing story, Chris. Oh, your mom, your mom must have been like James McAvoy in that GIF where she's fanning himself, like ah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> wow, that's a, that's really cool. Oh yeah, <laughs> so. Now, I love the fact that Lex we, – we've talked about this last time, Rob. Lex forgets himself around yes, God. Yes, again, <laughs> as great as that scene is, then they have the perfect joke button on it. It's, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. Superman, thank God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then he corrects himself and orders them yeah. to get him. I mean he orders Zod around. I mean, God. <laughs> it, it, it's the great thing about this Lex is that he's always playing an angle. Yes. Like he is like from the moment because uh, I think, you know, if we're going to get deep into it again, I think this Lex knows exactly how dangerous these three people are. Uh, oh, sure. He thinks he thinks he can play it to his advantage. But in in, in, in my head, Canon, if if they had succeeded, they would have killed Lex pretty quick and he would have been dead. And uh, that would have been the end of that. And I think to a certain extent, this Lex knows that. He is not he he can control this guy only so far. And, you know, to Zod, Lex is just basically the jester. You know, he's the guy that's providing a momentary bit of entertainment. But, yeah, I just love that where he he, you're right. He completely forgets himself for a second. And I I think the fact that Zod just threatened him (laughs) is why he had that reaction. Like, okay, oh, man. Okay, we may we may pull out of this yet. And I may live. Essentially, yeah. right. I've been given a reprieve by the governor for a second, and then I love yeah. that Zod notices it. Uh, yeah. you know, Zod hears it. He's like, "What?" And then you know, Luther <laughs> then forgets himself and orders him. And Zod, of course, now is so obsessed with vengeance, he just drops all that and he does his knee before Zod. And luckily, Bill Cosby is watching over this whole situation, and uh, it's. <laughs> It's really, and then I love that Bill Cosby is watching over a situation now. Yeah, oh boy. And then I just love how the three of them just smash through the glass, like Mm -hmm. just they're like little missiles. It's it it is really just such a perfectly constructed sequence from beginning to end. It is flawless. It's just so much character stuff. A great gag, a great moment for it. it, I just every time I watch, I'm like, this is just 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 perfect. Yeah, I mean, like the whole cast gets a moment here, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all yeah, the yeah. important, all the important players get 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 a reaction, get a get a line, and, and it's yeah. It, if if you were going to show somebody a, a scene from Superman two, show them this scene. Yeah, you know, I mean, this, this is the scene to show them. It's you're right. It's this is perfect. And yeah, when they launch out of the building, I mean, they smash the windows, and the debris falls into the streets of Metropolis below. And I mean, this is the beginning of. 
of the the uh, collateral damage that this fight is going to have. And I mean, of course, in superhero movies nowadays, collateral damage is utmost on people's mind, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in Superman films. But uh, but, you know, I mean, they don't sugarcoat it. I mean, they show that there's, you know, glass and mortar falling into the streets here. And I mean, it's and it's not in a. In a this is badass way, it's like, oh crap, there's stuff falling in the street. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why this movie doesn't get enough credit, really, with audiences, is that at a time when you didn't, one, have comic book films really at all, uh, and two, when you were so constrained by the, the budget and what you're able to convey. I, I am not one of those people that goes, well, nowadays you can just do it in a computer and did, did, did. No, that's hard. It is hard to do that and it's hard to make that look good. You know, mm-hmm. yes, you can show a building crumbling to the ground without actually having to demolish a building now. Yeah, absolutely. You can do that. And, and, and that is on a practical level, quote unquote, easier. But you all. But that's that's an art in and of itself. But again, doing it here and the fact that, you know, I, I've heard people criticize, well, they only fought in one street. I'm like, yeah, but that's a big deal. The, the fact that they fought as long as they did and did as much as they do in 1979, basically 1980, because the film premiered in 80 in Europe. So it was probably mm. wrapped up by 1979. You know, this this is bold. This is this is innovative on a level that I think because there was so much new stuff hitting us. I mean, like every Star Wars film that came out from 77 to 83 showed us something we had never seen before. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so maybe it gets lost in all of that. But I think the real appreciation of this film is this sequence that that is starting in these five minutes. Yeah, oh, this whole sequence is – I can't imagine going to these special effects guys and saying you're going to have four people flying around punching each other. You're like, yeah. how are we going to do this? <laughs> yeah, I mean this is this, – I mean this is the – this is the beginning of the uh, the epic comic book battle, I mean, in yeah. a movie. You know, I mean, it really it really is here. I mean, we didn't have that in, in the first film. And, uh, it, you know, this – there was no – I know the, the most precedent was this was the uh, submarine battle and uh, the Batman movie, you know, Batman 66 movie <laughs> mm-hmm. was just an extended fight scene of the, you know, or when Bruce Wayne's fighting the, the villains in that, which is just a great sequence in that movie where Bruce Wayne gets to actually fight him as Adam West gets to fight him as Bruce Wayne. But, yeah. but I mean, again, it was just an filthy extended, criminals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll rip you limb from limb. You know, this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, I mean, they, like you said, Mike, they upped the game in this one. I mean, that's that people, yeah, looking now, I mean, yeah, does this, does the way the staging and the effects and all, does it match, you know, in game or Infinity War or something? You know, maybe not, but I mean, you got to put yourself back in 1980, Mm -hmm. 1981. And this is something no one had ever seen. No one had ever seen this part of a comic book translated into live action before none of the tv shows had the budget or the effects to do it and none of the movies had and here we are we're going to see like rob said four super powered characters you know use their powers against each other i mean this is unprecedented and it and then they and they do it really well <laughs> I mean, it, it, and, it, and watching the behind the scenes is so funny to there's stuff in this that i never knew was miniature yeah uh, it's it's really well, super well done. Uh, the, I mean, it's like you see Christopher Reeve in his Superman outfit. He's chewing a piece of gum with like a, a robe on or something. It's funny to see Superman chewing a piece of gum. And he's like, oh, so this little car is going to do this. And and the, and the guy's like, yeah, it's going to come here and this is going to blow up. And I'll, I mean, it's it's so in that making of Superman, too. It's so fun to see it. And it's, it, you know, you, you, you can't the seams don't even hardly show in the in this sequence. So, yeah, these are four people on wires. You know, yeah. like it's pretty. Yeah, it's pre- and I mean, it does help that the scenes at night, which helps cover up some of that stuff. But I mean, it works really well. It gives it kind of a a moody feel. Although in the history of this uh, show, we've been tracking all the weird ADR. You do get that line from Zod right there. I'm like, who is yeah. that? That is not yeah. Terrence Stamp. I don't know who no. that is, but that is not Terrence I, Stamp. I, you know, I, I understand that he said right there. But when I was a kid, I, I thought he was saying wait there. 
Hmm. I'm like, why are they waiting there? (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, man, Zod's got a plan, obviously. But then again, you know, I I thought he was talking about, you know, Jor-El's ass in the first film. (laughs) Speaking of some things that don't quite make sense, Zod... Zod calls Superman a coward, and, and, and he said, we thought you were a coward, you know, and he's like, I'm not a coward, Zod, which he's not a coward. He just wasn't thinking with his head uh, for a few days uh, there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> in Zod's line, you know, he, he hit, heat visions the, uh, the crane that's, that's holding up the, the, the cement wall that's just – who left that floating in the air? Uh, that does not seem like a good idea. No, that does yeah, not. Yeah, OSHA would have something to say about that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, he zaps it, it falls, he get, he catches it, and he says, then die as you deserve to. So what the, what is that in reference to, that, that line? I mean, it's a great line, but really, what did he, other than being the son of Jor-El, what did he do, do to deserve to, to, to die the way Zod's talking about? Did that line ever stick out to you guys, or am I, is it just me? I, I, I feel like there's a line missing. Like, that, that yeah. Superman was supposed to have a response, and then that was Zod's response, and that line is just missing because yeah, it doesn't really trap. I'm not a coward, Zod. Let him prove it, and then then died. You deserve like okay, all right. Not let him prove it. Let him prove it. Let him prove it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I love Sarah Douglas. <laughs> and, and and I think that's one of the reasons why this the this sequence works so well is that yeah, there's a lot of great action, but there there's some great interplay between the actors as well. Yeah. And, you know, when, when he throws that thing in Superman, it's, I, 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 I guess proving that even Kryptonians flinch, that look on Christopher Reeve's face after he blows it up is just like, <laughs> like it hurts almost. I, I've never quite understood that. But, yeah, it's just everything plays off of each other. And it's such uh, – Richard Lester gets a lot of uh, flack. Uh, Mark McClure. Or especially will point out, it's like he goes, you're going to go over here, you're going to say this, then you're going to go over here, and you're going to say that. So he's very meticulous. But I think that 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 attitude really plays well. And action is hard. You know, as Tim Burton has proved throughout his career of never being able to really pull off a good action sequence uh, yeah. in, a, in a film, uh, even in the Batman movies, there, there's always something like a little bit missing. It's hard to do this type of sequence and make it exciting, you know. And and I think that the fact that Lester was meticulous and did have everything planned out, you know, to the note, that it really pays off here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's true. Yeah, I will say that it's funny. Superman looks around before Zod when Zod grabs the wall, and then when he throws it at him, he uses his heat vision. Which blows it up and sends the the debris into the street. So <laughs> why not just fly up and grab it, Superman? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, come on, Superman. What you know? You realize how much that shot would have cost, Chris? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I do like. I, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I do just like that, that that Superman does react to it because it just shows. I mean, just I don't know. It just shows that Christopher Reeve is more involved in the. In the shot than just standing still so they can, you know, put the laser effect in his eyes, you know, the heat vision effect in his eyes. So why did it explode like that? I mean, I get it. It's a comic book film. You want it to be big, but it's just like, wouldn't it have just broke it apart? I mean, what's in his heat vision that detonates that thing? (laughs) What's in the mortar in that concrete or whatever? made of unstable molecules. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. This was the thing that we were discovering is that it was all a plot by Lex Luthor and the whole thing was packed with explosives and the building was going to blow up and it was a whole like insurance scam ah there you go That's right. part. always I working like an angle that guy <laughs> yeah uh for the folks in metropolis don't seem to mind that the debris falling into streets they want to see superman kick their asses which i love i mean they're all rooting for superman we see the taxi cab and its driver that clark destroyed at the beginning of the movie and and of course his line that you know uh, the, uh, it was used to great effect in the ads that ABC ran for the movie in the mid '80s. I remember that, and that you know that unfortunately Michael, uh, you know, didn't tape all of. And uh, <laughs> and then of course Rob used it in our trailers. So, yes, you know. we we got a lot of use out of it too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just one of those things that stands out, and it's a little bit part too, which I guess you know speaks to the speaks to the sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
Uh, Superman flies up and Zod orders Nod to take him. Then the two chase each other through the New York, um, I mean, Metropolis skyline <laughs> over the river. And there's a lot of bridges in Metropolis. Of course, I know in, in New York, there's a lot of bridges, but it's like they go under one and then under another. And it's just, yeah, it's, uh, I do like the little move Superman makes where he pulls up right as Nod is about to grab him and we get Nod's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, what I like about that is that it, it, it's not said, but Superman knows how to use his abilities a lot better than these guys. Yes. You know, yes. they've only been on Earth, what, like a couple of days at this point? Or, yeah. uh, or weeks, depending on how long it took Clark to hitchhike back to antarctica but <laughs> Months, or the, really. really arctic <laughs> but you know th- this is something that when you if you want to be super like nitpicky about it zod non and ursa are trained combatants and superman isn't but he knows the tips and tricks because you know 12 12 years of S- space dad college uh at the <laughs> fortress you know he, he probably has trained how to use his abilities a lot better than these guys. And that's like his one, like his biggest advantage in the fight. Uh, you know, cause one of the things that I was disappointed is that he didn't really go toe to toe with any of them, like mm. on the street. Yeah. Basically, you know, you, you get a little bit of that here and there, but the fact that they do what they do, uh, is still amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, you, you brought up the about you know who's saying that when uh, Zod said right there, we, not Zod, not Zod said right there, but <laughs> there's a line right as we end here where, and it might actually go into the next minute, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. It, it, it and I guess it's Zod that says, "Come on, kill him." But as a kid, I thought it was Non saying it in Hulk style, "Non, kill him." <laughs> I, I don't know. What did you guys ever think that? I mean, it doesn't. That doesn't sound like Zod, and Nod's not supposed to be able to talk. So I don't know who says that exactly. I, I'm mixed on it. I always it, figured it, it was Zod, just, and yeah. it just I got used to the fact that his voice doesn't sound always the same. Okay, all right. Bon, <laughs> kill him. It's like, it's like this is the Superman two musical. Yeah. <laughs> kill the Superman. Kill the Superman. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Oh yeah, so yeah, that's that's where our minutes end in this fantastic series of moments with uh, non still chasing Superman. So I'm sure we do. But anything to add to these minutes, fellas? Fifteen minutes of me saying how amazing this whole sequence is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, you Rob kind of nailed it on the head. Is that in a movie that is full of really memorable moments? You know, from Superman changing into the alley to uh silver sheets to which, <laughs> like once once i realized what happened it was a little weird and i had to like come to terms with a lot in my life to the sequence on the moon to all that but this is like the distillation of everything it's the moment people have been waiting for because there, there's a sequence in the behind the scenes stuff and i don't know how staged it was but it, it's 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 star spangled spangler and uh, Ilya Sulkin talking on like a balcony, and one of them says, "But now there's three of them, and they all have his powers." It's like I think on a deep level, even if you're not steeped in Superman mythology, if you're buying into the film, there is an excitement level about the fact that he is facing something that is just as powerful as he is, and there's an excitement with that. And they were able to make they 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 stuck the landing on making that work. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's everything you wouldn't uh, when when um, I mean nowadays it's not so much true because there's so much of it. But when you were younger, when we're all we're all around the same age, and when mm-hmm. we were younger, these comic book movies were pretty few and far between. And so when they finally did one, you wanted it to be treated with respect. You know, you wanted it to feel like it wasn't being made by people that were sneering at it and kind of looking down on it. And when they would feature a moment, whether it was a TV show or a movie, that seemed to capture in live action, everything you liked about these characters, it felt like, oh, yeah, these people get it. And mm-hmm. this, I mean, not that you, we already knew that they got it from the first film, but this scene is like, they get it. They totally get what makes Superman and this kind of stuff exciting and fun and thrilling, and it just delivers what you want. And it's just, it, the fact that they 
they put that sequence together so well. And as you said, Chris, all the main principals get a great moment. Lois gets a great moment. Luthor gets a great moment. Zod gets a great moment. And of course, Superman gets the greatest moment of all. It's just like, this is, this is it. They, they never, they peaked with this moment. Uh, and there's lots of great stuff to come. I mean, Chris and I still have a bunch of episodes of the show left to do, but this is really it. You know, and it's like what makes Superman fun and exciting and thrilling, and it's unlike any other kind of uh, fiction. It's this, this moment, and uh, it's it, it it cements Chris, Christopher Reeve as like you know film immortality that he got this moment of arms folded, looking looking ridiculous in that costume, and yet looking like a complete boss as well. And that was the that's how good he was. He just made it made it work. It's just, oh, it's so exciting to watch. Yeah, I, I can't add anything. I think you guys nailed it. This is it. This is, and I mean, unfortunately, and this is not to be a downer because we want you guys to continue to listen to the show. <laughs> this is this is the this is the high tide of of the Superman films right here. I mean, you know, I mean, it it really is. This is as as good as it gets, and unfortunately, it doesn't get any better. So, <laughs> you know, it doesn't get any better. But there's a moment. Uh, towards the end of the film that is my third favorite sequence of the movie that I and, and my third favorite music cue. I uh, I do love a good hand crushing, I have to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Yeah. <laughs> the, the scene that now I have to mute when I watch it with my wife or she will have oh, right. a full-blown yeah. PTSD episode. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I would understand that. That would yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's that's that's a, that is a great sequence. Yeah, I mean it's but yeah, I mean, there are more great moments in this movie and in the next movie, and and, uh, and you know, there's it. some other. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, Chris. But uh, yeah, so, but uh, Michael, thanks so much for dropping by. Although, since you got these minutes, maybe you should be thanking us. I don't know, but uh, I, I no, I am. Wow, Chris. <laughs> Ego aside, uh, no, I was. I was just like, you know, one, I would have been happy with anything. Like you could have given, you could have given me the kid reading the comic book sequence, and I would have been like, <laughs> I'm excited to be on this show. But it's just like, to 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 be asked to be part of this sequence, it's just like, okay, yeah, no, thank you so much for uh, for having me on, and thank you for letting me be part of the these five minutes because, like Rob says, they're they're. Outside of that first moment of Christopher Reeve stepping out of the spinning door, I don't think you have as quintessential a Christopher Reeve Superman moment as this. So thank you. Oh, no problem. We're glad to have you. I was just messing with you. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the interwebs? FortressofBailey2.com, which is the host, uh, which is the home, not the host, but the home of the Fortress of Bailey 2 podcasting network. Awesome graphic created by Rob Kelly. Thank you. Uh, so I, I, I will never not appreciate that. Uh, and yeah, just that's where all my shows are from crisis to crisis, which I am recording new episodes of with Jeffrey uh, overlook dark night, which I will get back to the, the plan currently is to stack up as many episodes as humanly possible. That way when 2020 hits, I could start releasing things on a regular basis, but I got a lot of stuff. Uh, to talk about uh, to to release in the in the near future, including uh, panels from last year's Dragon Con. So uh, yeah, just fortressofbailey2.com. dot com. One your one stop shop for me rambling about comics. All right, I can't recommend them enough. Go check out all those shows and uh, and Michael is has you have like you are one of the hardest working men in podcasting who have been at it longer than probably anybody that I know. So in, in the comic sphere, so I mean, there's a ton. You can get you can get lost. I mean, you could probably just listen to Mike's shows for a year and never never listen to another podcast. Don't do that though. Uh, yeah, no, listen, don't. Yeah, don't do that. Listen to all podcasts too, but you could do that because Mike is like got a backlog of podcasts like mad because the man has just been at it for how long have you been at it now? Like ten years since, or something. Since, like? since two thousand seven, uh, yeah. has been beat on a technical level uh, because he was on the Unique Geek podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is what intro, which is kind of one of the things that got me into podcasting, but yeah, it's uh, it, it turns out much like uh, Jeff Loeb once talked about a writing teacher he had that said if you write a page a day at the end of the year you have 365 pages. So if you podcast enough, uh, even though there's long stretches where I haven't produced stuff, basically I do have like 12 years worth of week on a weekly level worth of stuff to, out there. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, I, 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 I sometimes think about that and cry, but uh, I'm proud of it just the same. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, you should be. Uh, speaking of other shows that you should listen to in addition to The Fortress of Bailey Toot, Rob and I host other shows on the Fire and Water Podcast Network, uh, including you know several he does, several I do, So and our friends do there. And also, Rob, you can help support the Fire and Water Podcast Network and how can you do that? Uh, yes, we now have a Patreon, so you can go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can make a, a pledge uh, to a one-time pledge, or even better, a monthly pledge, and that help keeps the lights on over at the Fire and Water uh, Podcast Central. Uh, and one for one of, the, one of the rewards you can get at a certain level, if you uh, donate per month, is you can get mentioned on your favorite, or maybe not your favorite, but what you have the uh, podcast, uh, Fire and Water Podcast of your choosing, and so we have to thank uh, our specific Superman Movie Minute supporters, David Gallagher and Henry Bernstein. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for supporting what we do over at patreon.com slash fwpodcast. Yes, thank you guys very much. It's very cool. And I will I will just assume that's their favorite podcast on the network. So uh. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that out loud, but I, I'm sure it is. I think it's everybody's favorite podcast, really. <laughs> We'd love to read your comments on your favorite podcast over at firewaterpodcast.com so you can leave a comment in the comment section uh, you can leave us a review on apple Podcasts or whatever they call it nowadays if you're in cl- so inclined thanks as always to pete the retailer and alex robinson for welcoming us into the movie by minute family and allowing us to use that format be sure to check out all the great movie shows at moviesbyminute.com join our never-ending battle here next week on superman 2 movie minute as the adventure continues bye bye Good afternoon, Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again. You got you to deal with New York's craziness every day. I, I remember one day uh, I went ri- riding in the, in, the, in the park with a friend of mine. We do laps around Central Park right. on bikes. And go for this, uh, a beer on 70th Street. I don't have lock for the bike. And I figure, well, we'll stand at the bar and watch the bike out the window. Me and the <laughs> sure. bike's up, right? Mm-hmm. So we both happen to turn for another beer at the same time. Turn back, the bike's gone. So we go running out. He goes left. I go right. And before too long, the guy is on the bike coming up. Amsterdam, Amsterdam Avenue, and I didn't know. I just something took over, and I went running out in the middle of traffic, caught the guy, threw him off the bike on the, on the hood of a car, and now there's a crowd gathering around, right? And I got the guy. They think it's like a scene from a movie. I got the guy down, and he goes, "Oh no, Superman! I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. <laughs> the guy's reaction has got to be. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I'm super, yeah. and I'm sorry, got, your bike. I got my bike back. <laughs>